Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Caffeinate for July the 17th. My name is Samuel Adams, and welcome to today's show. I hope you're all doing very well today. It is going to be a fantastic show, as per usual, but we have a little bit of housekeeping to go over before we actually jump into today's show. Uh, first off, as always, for those that might not know what this show is, this is a daily gaming news morning show podcast uh, that I started hosting back in March, and I've been doing it every single weekday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time right here on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media and it is always a fantastic time and I'm always thankful when people join me live uh, but if you can join me live it is uploaded via VOD later on on YouTube and it's also on anchor.fm slash Samuel Adams which has links to iTunes, Spotify, a whole bunch of other amazing locations where you can find your audio ear biscuit things. If you did want to do that uh, however, I also wanted to say that thanks to shows like this and thanks to shows like the other ones that I've done over the course of the past six years, uh, I've actually been offered along with, you know, let's back it up a little bit. There's a lot of stuff that I've been doing over the years with college and also with assignments that I've had in journalism classes. And then combined with that, I also showed off some of what I've been doing here on the morning show. And I was able to actually get an internship at Spectrum News for this coming fall. So that's very exciting for me. So I think that it's kind of a conglomeration of efforts that are put forth professionally and also personally with projects like this uh, that have, uh, you know, shown that I want to do it. So I'm excited about that and we'll see what happens with the schedule and whatnot. But I did want to say thanks for uh, supporting the shows over the years, and they're going to continue, of course. This isn't the end of anything. Uh, it's just the be- beginning of something amazing, and I'm really, really excited about it. But um, that pretty much wraps up the housekeeping for today. So the stories that we have include Nathan Fillion starring as Nathan Drake in a new Uncharted fan film, which is only 14 minutes long, and it is absolutely fantastic. On top of that, we do have new social features that are effectively cutting down on the toxic behavior that can be found in the Overwatch community, because that is actually a bigger issue than we would like to admit uh, especially with some communities in the gaming industry. Monster Hunter World is coming to Final Fantasy XIV on August the 7th. Microsoft is reportedly unwilling to delay Crackdown 3 any further. Battlefield Five has an open beta plan for September. Nintendo Labo creators, or Labo if you want to say it appropriately, uh, have created a... Cr- crazy conglomeration of amazing uh, little devices and stuff like that. Aliens Colonial Marines actually gets a boost if somebody fixes the typo within the actual coding. And Nickelodeon has revived a classic cartoon from my childhood, and I'm sure that probably many of you have also seen the show as well. Uh, So without further ado, again, thank you so much for supporting the show. I cannot wait to continue my efforts into reporting on other kinds of news and other stuff that I'll be doing at Spectrum. I'll let you guys know how that goes, and I'm sure that you can follow me on Twitter, Pretty Chill Guy, I will be posting pictures and videos and anything that I can because it's quite an incredible experience that I'm getting. And I'm so incredibly thankful for that again. But um, there are so many kids that are in college that would love this opportunity. You know, uh, I was one of two interns that were chosen. Uh, I <laughs> believe that I was in a group of over 70 that originally applied to the positions. And that's, um, you know, pretty awesome. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the news of the day. Nathan Fillion stars as Nathan Drake in the Uncharted fan film. Unofficial live action Uncharted short is actually pretty good, and I can confirm that it is actually pretty good. Sony has been trying to make a film based on Naughty Dog's Uncharted series for the better part of a decade, with multiple directors and screenwriters joining and leaving the project. The latest attempt to turn adventurer Nathan Drake's exploits into a blockbuster movie, this time a prequel, has actor Tom Holland and director Sean Levy, Stranger Things real 
still attached. In the meantime, there's a slick new fan film from director Alan Ungar that stars Nathan Fillion, Firefly and Destiny, as Drake. Fillion's got this wisecracking treasure hunting and maybe getting too old for this shit components of Drake's character down for the 14 minute short and his supporting live action Sully and Elena aren't too bad either. The action news, or excuse me, the action hues closely to the games even if the bad guys go down with just one bullet each. As the short film explicitly states, Ungar and Fillion's short film is neither authorized or endorsed by Sony or Naughty Dog. It is a passion project according to its creators. Quote, I've wanted to do this ever since Uncharted first came out in 2007, Ungar said on Instagram. The Canadian writer-director specializes in action films and has two features gridlocked and tapped out to his credit. This is something I've wanted to do, but more importantly, something I've wanted to see for a long time, Fillion said on Instagram. If you've ever pinned a towel around your neck for a cape or donned a fedora and nearly put your eye out with a homemade whip, this is for you. Thank you, Alan Ungar, for letting us all scratch this itch. You, or excuse me, thank you, Naughty Dog, for creating such a wonderful archetype. And man... Uh, if you guys haven't seen this, I will have it linked down below, below the actual article that discusses this on Polygon, uh, but it is truly a fantastic representation of what Uncharted brings to the table. I never thought that Nathan Fillion would truly be the Uncharted Nathan Drake that we all expected or that we all desired and hoped for, but really he has absolutely nailed it when it comes to what we expect from a Nathan Drake. The voice is right on point, the facial animations, the way that he controls himself, the way that he responds to comments, things like that. Uh, if anybody has ever embodied Nathan Drake. It truly is Nathan Fillion. And so I will be kind of hard pressed to believe that the actual movie that Sony is producing right now could be any better than what has been produced here with Nathan and uh, and Ungar with this Uncharted fan film. Uh, it really very truly is impressive. And if you want to check it out again, I would highly recommend it. But I think this just goes to show that whenever you put somebody that has passion behind a project, whenever you put somebody that is truly a gamer behind uh, the camera or in front of the camera even, and you tell them to make something that they love, well, they'll make something that they love that many people that don't have a connection with the franchise won't be able to do and I think that's what we're seeing right here with this new Uncharted fan film so if you do want to check it out again I will have it linked down below but it is totally worth your time again it's only 14 minutes long so if you don't have 14 minutes laying around throughout your day you should probably dig around and find it because this is totally worth you looking into and I say that as somebody who doesn't even like movies I mean truly I don't watch movies. I, I just don't. I'm a guy that plays games. I'll occasionally watch a comedy special on Netflix, some TV shows here and there. Uh, but when it comes to this fan film, it truly is absolutely amazing. So check it out if you don't have the, uh, or if you haven't had the opportunity to do so yet. And, uh, let me know what you think in the comment section down below. But moving on to the next story of the day, coming to us from Gematsura. Social features have cut down on toxic behavior in Overwatch. Blizzard's Global Insights Group has just finished putting together some statistics surrounding the new social features added to Overwatch a few weeks ago, including the LFG looking for groups and endorsements, which are pretty much where you commend somebody at the end of the game. It seems as though the additions have made an impact on the Overwatch community as Jeff Kaplan revealed LFG and endorsements are significantly removing toxic and abusive behavior already. LFG was introduced to allow players to search for parties who have similar interests or have a certain play style, while endorsements encourage players to publicly commend a player for their attitude, communication, and skill. According to the numbers, competitive matches that contain abusive chat is down 26.4%, which is pretty significant in the Americas, and 16.4% in South Korea. Not, not so effective over there. In addition, the percent of daily players being abused is down 28.8% in the Americas, followed by 21.6% in South Korea, although it isn't clear if the abuse comes from chat. 
Quote, we'll keep working on iterating on these features to make them better as well as exploring other systems to improve the gameplay environment, Kaplan writes. It's worth noting that the statistics above don't include the European server, which players say they are still ripe with toxicity. Kaplan followed up by assuring players that he didn't have numbers on Europe yet, but it will be interesting to see if LFG and endorsements have an impact on those servers as well. And uh, this was something that was a bit controversial, and it's something that we're beginning to see more and more in games, because yesterday on the episode of Caffeinate that we had, uh, we did discuss Rainbow Six Siege eliminating player toxicity by literally banning people whenever they would use racist and homophobic slurs in the chat, which is something that is... We haven't really seen that before, you know? That's something that's a brand new take on how to censor chat and how to make sure that everything is friendly and welcoming and all that good stuff. And so I think these social features are, number one, useful, and number two, effective. I say they're useful because the looking for group feature is something that should have been in Overwatch from the start. Uh, If I want to play as a healer, I should be able to search for somebody who needs a healer, that kind of thing. Uh, I really, truly believe that that should be implemented in any game from the beginning. That's just one that is good game design. Uh, However, on top of that the abusive behavior and the removing toxicity by encouraging players to commend other players and encouraging people to say hey you did well with this Uh, that's a fantastic idea and so I'm glad to see that it's finally coming to Overwatch in an effective way I'm glad to see that people aren't completely and totally kicking it back and saying this isn't anything that we want or they're ignoring it Uh, it seems like it's actually making a pretty positive impact on the gaming community overall so I can't really complain that much and it seems like a pretty good and effective way to cut back on player toxicity and between this and what's going on with Rainbow Six Siege right now, I hope that other gaming companies and gaming developers are encouraged to implement these kinds of tools in their games to make a more welcoming experience for the people that are coming in that may not have had this kind of experience before. I really think there's a lot to say for that, and I think that there's a lot to uh, to be done as well. There's a lot of, uh, lot of advancements that can be made in the area, uh, and so we'll see how it begins to evolve over the next few years, but I think that right now we're beginning to see a resurgence of a company taking you know, responsibility for ensuring that their players aren't being attacked, that they aren't being abused verbally or otherwise. It's just one of those situations where you have to figure out the best way to do that. So congratulations to the team behind Overwatch over there at Blizzard, uh, who apparently have introduced social features that don't suck, uh, which is pretty fantastic. Also in the chat, Steffi says, good morning, Sammy. Good morning. I hope you're well. Hello, hello. But moving on to the next story of the day, Monster Hunter World comes to Final Fantasy XIV on August the 7th. Here is Square Enix's side of the crossover event. Now, for those that don't know, there have been crossover events in the past, and they have gone fairly well. Capcom and Square Enix are bringing the worlds of Final Fantasy XIV and Monster Hunter World together this summer, with monsters, characters, and items crossing over between the games. Last week, Capcom detailed when and how Final Fantasy will come to the latest entry in the Monster Hunter franchise. Now, it's Square Enix's turn. Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood players will get access to Monster Hunter World-inspired content on August the 7th when the legendary monster Rothalos invades the Final Fantasy MMO. Players will be able to take on Rothalos in the trial named The Great Hunt, which will come in normal for up to 8 players and extreme just 4-player versions. The Monster Hunter World Final Fantasy XIV crossover content will arrive as part of the MMO's patch 4.36 update. Only players who have reached level 70 and have completed the Stormblood expansion's main scenario quest will be able to take on Rothalos. The crossover will also also give Final Fantasy players access to near gear and cosmetics, including a new Rathalos-inspired armor set, Poogie and Palico minions, a Rathalos mount, and a barbecue spit. 
and that's pretty much what you get. Monster Hunter World's half of the crossover event, which includes a behemoth monster and dragoon-inspired gear, will come to that game on August 1st. A week later, the Windows PC version of Monster Hunter World will come to Steam, which is pretty exciting. And Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood is available now for Mac, PS4, and Windows PC. Is it really not on Xbox One? Wow. Okay, then. Well, uh, if you did want to check that out, again, this is pretty much for your Monster Hunter World fans. Uh, and for those that might have the crossover between Final Fantasy XIV and Monster Hunter World, I don't know what this community, like, has going for it. Like, I don't know if these two are intertwined. Like, do people that play Monster Hunter World always play Final Fantasy XIV? I suppose. Maybe it's just a way to promote both of the games at the same time and really encourage people to pick up that Monster Hunter World on PC. I don't know. Uh, but if you did want to get the uh, gear inspired by, I suppose, Monster Hunter World stuff in Final Fantasy XIV, uh, you can check that out. Again, that's coming out on August the 7th, and then the game is coming out, or the expansions, the DLC crossover event, is coming to uh, Monster Hunter World on August the first i do believe let me double check that yes the dragoon inspired gear so if you did want to see that it's coming out on the ps4 xbox or excuse me the ps4 pc and mac and then i'm surprised that stormblood is not on the xbox one that's kind of weird to me uh but again we'll see what goes on with that hopefully that will come at some point i would expect it to but Microsoft is reportedly unwilling to delay Crackdown 3 any further. Now, this is a story that I've been waiting to hear for a long, long time. For Crackdown 3, it may be February or bust. Crackdown 3 is infamous for its repeated delays, but its most recent one may be the last. A new report from Eurogamer claims anonymous sources have reported this is, quote, the final time Microsoft is willing to delay it. Announced during E3 2014, again, that's over four years ago, Crackdown 3's first release window was 2016, but it was pushed back to November 2017 for a planned launch alongside the Xbox One X, but following lukewarm receptions at E3 and Gamescom 2017, Crackdown 3 was again delayed to 2018, but that wasn't to be either. Last month, my, my, excuse me, Microsoft officially pushed the game back to February 22nd, 2019. Eurogamer's new report attempts to sort through this rocky development cycle with on-the-record interviews with Microsoft and the various studios developing Crackdown 3. Quote, It's hard to move games, executive vice president of gaming at Microsoft Phil Spencer told Eurogamer. There is no doubt about that. It's expensive. You have to make them, excuse me, you have to make sure the team has the energy for it, so it takes time to go and have all of the discussions. Make sure you're saying you've got clear ownership and leadership in place for the important issues, but we made the decision that we're going to move the game because we wanted to give it the time to be right. They also wanted to launch Crackdown 3 at the right time, meaning one as far away from Red Dead Redemption 2 as possible. Spencer admitted as much, while also naming a number of other big holiday games, most of which are annual releases. He wanted Crackdown to avoid. The bad news for Crackdown 3 is that the publishers behind a number of other high-profile games had the same idea, and Q1 2019 is now packed with Kingdom Hearts 3, Resident Evil 2 Remake, Anthem, The Division 2, and more. But nearly five years after its announcement, Crackdown 3 may finally be out of options for other release windows. IGN has reached out to Microsoft or comment on its appetite or lack thereof for further Crackdown 3 delays and we'll update the story as they issue a response, but it's time. Okay, here's what it comes down to. It is time to put this game out into the wild. The way that I see Crackdown 3 is, what is that noise? This background music has some kind of cricket or something, and man, that is, a, ooh, that is rough. However, with Crackdown 3... Uh, it's kind of like one of the kids that won't leave the house. It's kind of like one of the children that is about 25 or 26, maybe even older than that, maybe I would say 30. Let's, no, Crackdown 3 is a solid 40-year-old. Let's go ahead and put it where it should be. Uh, but Crackdown 3 is a 40-year-old that is living at home and refuses to go out and get a job. This is a game that is, is essentially like a 40-year-old who is not trying to even 
it's time to go. You got to kick the bird out of the nest at some point. And so Crackdown 3 is one of those situations, or it's in one of those situations, where it's just time to put it out there and see what happens. People are either going to love it or people are going to hate it. I would say that the reputation that this game has developed over the course of the past five years uh, really truly is leading me to believe that it is not going to be received well, regardless of what it is. It could be a very good game, and it will probably still get a solid 7 out of 10. I don't believe this game is ever going to be a game that people look at and say, man, that was a resounding success. Man, that was a game that I needed in my life. And so, at this point, it's best if they just go ahead and pump it out there and put it out in February. Do not delay the game. I would say that the game could probably do better in summer of 2019, but at the same time, it's time just to let it go. Uh, At some point, you have to cut your losses, and I think that Microsoft is finally realizing that. So, I feel for the guys that are behind the scenes uh, creating Crackdown 3, because imagine putting this amount of time and this amount of effort into a game, and then it is just continuously pushed back, and now people don't even care anymore. That is just the epitome of disappointment for me, and it's just a a sad situation with this game. Uh, So, again, let me know what you think about Crackdown 3, but I'm probably not going to be picking it up. I might, but it might just be a rent for me. It just doesn't have that kind of aesthetic, that kind of look that I really care about. It's just not the kind of game. And of course, with Just Cause coming out at some point, it's just, it's not going to be a good look for it. So we'll see what goes on with that one. But if you are into shooters, the Battlefield 5 open beta has been planned for September. It's been a busy couple of months for DICE, as the development studio not only revealed that Battlefield 5 is taking the franchise back into the trenches of World War II, but the game just wrapped up a closed alpha test. While the limited event gave a handful of players access to a single map that was shown at E3 2018 known as Arctic 4, DICE was busy collecting feedback in preparation of additional upcoming tests, including the anticipated open beta. Thanks to a recent blog post, fans now know when they'll be able to jump into the action. Man, am I excited. In a new blog post on the official Battlefield 5 website, DICE gave players a deeper look, since the recently ended closed beta, in addition to all of the heat, charts, statistics, and data, the studio also revealed plans for what's next, including a brand new build of the game at Gamescom 2018 in late August. For many players, though, the big news is that Battlefield 5 Open Beta will be launching in September, giving fans and the developer plenty of time to put the game through its paces prior to launch in October. Though the content was limited, the closed alpha provided a lot of valuable feedback to the team as well. Thanks to player feedback, the studio has already made a few tweaks to the experience, including gun recoil and improving the Buddy Revive system, which has significantly changed from previous games in the franchise. The new reinforcement system, where players were able to call in either a V-1 rocket or the Churchill Crocodile tank, are also due for a tweak as players were calling in V-1 rockets much faster than intended. DICE also revealed that the studio is adjusting aspects of the airborne grand operations, including flight paths and the characteristics of players' parachutes based on the data collected regarding where players jumped out of the plane at the start and where they landed. This helpful map data also revealed specific lanes of engagement players typically took when playing on Arctic Fords, something that the developers at DICE were hoping to see prior to the alpha test kicking off. And so, again, you can just look forward to playing the full game when it releases on October 19th on the PC, PS4, and the Xbox One, but until then, you can look forward to the actual open beta whenever it hits in September. So, very much so looking forward to this one. I got back into Battlefield 1 really late into the game. I didn't really enjoy the game when it first came out, but whenever I was kind of in a lull and I wanted to have that classic Battlefield kind of feel, I ended up getting the entire experience with all the DLC for around $15 on PS4, and I've been really, really enjoying it. Uh, However, I think that Battlefield 5 is going to kind of be what people wanted Battlefield 1 to be, uh, in that it is a modern version of a classic kind of game, and so I'm looking looking forward to that. Of course, there's also the Battle Royale mode that is supposed to be coming sometime after launch, and so that will be very fun to see, but um, 
It really is truly shaping up to be a fall that features the classic Battlefield versus Call of Duty kind of headliner, and I'm excited to see what that looks like in a Battle Royale world, because that really does kind of put a spin on things and change up how people are viewing uh, the entire experience and what is coming out this year. So, I'm excited, I hope you guys are, and I will definitely be checking out some gameplay whenever it comes out of Gamescom in late August, but definitely, definitely going to be getting this one on day one. I love Battlefield. The thing with it is, it's always... Everybody compares Call of Duty and Battlefield, but when it comes down to it, Call of Duty brings the tight-knit kind of close-quarters gameplay and the fast-paced arcade-style shooter, while Battlefield has that arcade feel, but it's also a bigger scale. It's also something that's more significant overall, and so I'm excited to see what happens with this one, but again, we will uh, we will continue to update you guys as the dates get closer, and whenever we have definitive dates, I will definitely let you guys know. However, for those that do not care about Battlefield, but you love Nintendo Labo, the Creators Contest shows off the cookiest and greatest Labo projects. Winners included a solar-powered accordion and a teapot time management game. Interesting creations these people have made. The winners of the first Nintendo Labo Creators Contest have been announced, and the creations are just as creative and kooky as you would expect. Released in April, the cardboard Nintendo Labo kits are do-it-yourself projects that encourage players to get hands-on and build accessories for the Switch. The accessories are then attached to the Switch and Joy-Con controllers to play specific software. The different projects have been dubbed Toy-Cons by Nintendo and range from piano sets to robot suits and from housing to fishing rods. The contest focused on getting creative with the existing Labo Toy-Cons and and uh, going beyond what comes in the kit. There were three categories in the first contest. Best Decorated Toy-Con, Best Toy-Con Mod Using Toy-Con Garage, and Best Original Invention Using Toy-Con Garage. The Best Decorated winners include a beautiful homage to The Legend of Zelda made out of the Labo Piano Kit, uh, which is essentially this. Hold on. So essentially, it's just a, yeah, it's what you would expect. I apologize for that one. I thought there was going to be more audio, but apparently there was not. However, it is literally just an homage to the Legend of Zelda. Now you have the next one, which is other winners in this category were a fierce Nintendo Dino and a Labo Treehouse that makes the coolest kids in school jealous. Winners of the best Toy-Con mod were an analog alarm clock made out of the piano kit, a multiplayer home fix-a game with nifty screen overlay, and the Simon-inspired Creature Says. Uh, but again, you have the zaniest creations coming from the best original invention category. Among the winners were a tea time management game with Nintendo-inspired tea flavors such as Boo Long and Cappy McHappy Mill, I suppose. I don't sounds like types of tea, uh, but again, that's pretty much what you've got there. It literally is a teapot uh, that has been crafted out of the Nintendo Labo kit. You could probably buy a real teapot for a cheaper price, but the other two winners were just as creative. A solar-powered, totally working cardboard accordion and a super-complex coin slot candy dispensing line game. The main thing that I want to really focus on here uh, is that if you do want to get in on the next round of whatever this is bringing to the table, you can check out the other one on July the 19th and running until August the 20th, so you have about a month to make a teapot out of your Nintendo Labo. Uh, but when it comes down to it, uh, I like what Nintendo is doing here because while you have other companies fighting over who has Fortnite and where you should play Fortnite and uh, where you should play your Battlefields and your Call of Duties, Nintendo's over here like, hey, this kid made a teapot out of a piece of cardboard. Let's give him some cash or whatever. It's just one of those situations where I love how Nintendo is approaching the situation of still not giving any shits about the competition. That's really what it comes down to is that they just simply don't care. They just are out there to have a good time, to make enjoyable experiences for kids and families. Families. And I think that's a really respectable kind of approach to the gaming industry. And so, uh, again, if you want to get in on the new Nintendo 
Labo Creators Contest, then you can jump in on July the 19th, two days away, and start making your thing that ends on August the 20th. But man, uh, is it fun to see this kind of stuff that goes on. I really do truly respect it. I, I really do respect just not really caring about the competition. There's something of a beauty in that. I really do believe it. But moving on to the next story of the day, Aliens, Colonial Marines, Xenos get a lot smarter by fixing one misspelling, and of course those are the AI. Others confirm some improvement seen in the 2013 stinker because it was not a good game. Man, look at that field of view. That is about 40 right there. Oof. The unforgettably awful Aliens, Colonial Marines can be fixed. Well, fixed might be an overstatement, let's say improved, by changing a single typographical ever excuse me, typographical error in a line of code, according to a modder taking part in the Sisphian effort to improve the game. A thread over on Reset Era, as spied yesterday by Kotaku, discovered this post on ModDB from late October, in which the modder explains what the code is and what is affected when the word tether is corrected to tether. It's T-E-A-T-H-E-R in the game but it should be T-E-T-H-E-R. Here is the code, and then it has the line of code that you have here. And then if you um, change it a little bit, it basically enemy are stripped. It's The enemies become stupid whenever you misspell something because that's a stupid mistake. But reset-era commenter Jiggles Bunny said they reinstalled the PC version of the game and followed these instructions. Lo and behold, it worked. The improvement is immediately recognizable in your first encounters with Xenos. While they still charge you perched on their hind legs, they now crawl far more often, flank you using vents and holes in the environment, and are generally far more engaged and aggressive. Five years later after release, a single letter managed to overhaul the entirety of the enemy AI behavior in the game. PC Gamer's video comparison... uh, Excuse me... Video comparisons published yesterday also seem to uphold this. Uh, but again, the game launched in 2013, and it seems like the game is actually visibly improved as compared to its original version that came out back in 2013. To be able to say that you have improved a game based off of one line of code, uh, that is ridiculous. But it was a basis for a lawsuit that ended with a publisher, Saga, Sega, excuse me, offering a $1.25 million settlement for blaming Gearbox for mismanaging the market. Gearbox argued the claim should be dropped against it because Sega had a final say in the marketing and the studio was a contractor. Polygon scored the game a 3 in our view, saying the infuriating amount of confidence on display as Aliens Colonial Marines systematically misses the point again and again is what really poisons the experience. And again, it's just not a good game. But it doesn't matter how much you fix the AI or tweak the AI. It's just not going to be the experience that people expect. So it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. However, neat to see, and it's a fun little quirky story that I did not expect uh, to be having a report on here in 2018. But again, really interesting to see what people can do whenever they dig into the code and change up a game that I didn't even think anybody really cared about. So if you want to jump back in, again, the code is going to be in the Polygon article down below. If you did want to jump in and copy and paste that, if you are feeling technologically savvy today. But the final story of the day is that Nickelodeon has revived Rugrats series and orders a live-action movie more than a decade after it went off the air. Rugrats, the acclaimed cartoon series from the 90s about a group of babies, is returning to Nickelodeon according to The Wrap. The network has ordered 26 new episodes and production has already begun on the series. The original series ran from 19. 91 through 2004 and spawned a spinoff series all grown up original creators and showrunners Arlene Klasky, Gabor Cuspo and Paul Germain will return as executive producers on the new series all original characters including Tommy Pickles and Chucky Finster are set to return but the new series will introduce a couple of new characters as well that's not it though. Nickelodeon also ordered a live action Rugrats movie. Well, kind of. The rap described the film as a quote, live action film featuring CGI characters 
which sounds weird, is slated to be released on November 13th, 2020. Rugrats is the latest 90 series to get a revival of sorts. Rocco's Modern Life and Invader Zim, two other popular 90 series, have specials debuting this year. A trailer for Invader Zim's special is rumored to debut at this week's San Diego Comic-Con. There isn't too much information about Rugrats' new series or live-action film, but more information is expected at the San Diego Comic-Con. It's a complicated beast here with this one because I was never a huge fan of Rugrats. Like, I watched it as many other kids did, but it wasn't one of those quintessential 90s shows. But I feel like we're getting to a point right now where real life is getting so tragic and depressing from politics and news that we are all receding into a pocket of nostalgia. And that's exactly what's happening here. We are just getting more and more nostalgic for this stuff that we had back in the 90s. And that's why you're getting the resurgence of Invader Zim and Rocco's Modern Life and Rugrats and all these shows uh, that are continuing to come back time and time again you're just beginning to get this sense of desire for what was simple back then and so uh, i guess we'll see how the rugrats movie goes uh, but i'm more concerned about the actual series i think that's where the real value lies now are they going to be keeping this incredibly creepy art style are they going to be maintaining this or are they going to bring something new to the table i don't know uh, but it seems weird to bring back a movie and a show for any other reason other than nostalgia for those that are in their late 20s early 30s that watched this back when they were growing up i can't imagine it being something they would reboot for the newer generation of viewers so again we'll keep an eye on san diego comic-con for more information but i would say this could either be a big hit or it could flop one of the two and we'll see how that goes but again i will let you guys know how things go whenever the San Diego Comic-Con does begin to roll around and news begins to pump out from that. But as for right now, that wraps up today's episode of The Drop. If you did enjoy this episode and you're watching on YouTube, be sure to drop me a like down below. If you happen to be listening on podcast services around the world, then please rate me on whatever service you might use. It does help immensely, or you can just send me some good vibes over on Twitter.com slash PrettyChillGuy if you did want to keep up to date with that and all of the other content that I do pump out here on YouTube as well as on other platforms. But as for right now, I want to thank you guys for watching today's episode. I will talk to you soon, and I will see you tomorrow at 7 a.m. Eastern Time for another episode of Caffeinate. I appreciate you guys watching. Again, I'm so excited about my internship at Spectrum News, and I would say that this kind of stuff is what really made it possible. And I'm very thankful for those that have been watching over the years. And I can't wait to continue making incredible content for you guys as time goes on and continue to improve and uh, and get better at what I do overall. Because everybody can always improve on everything, and that includes me as well. Uh, but I'll talk to you guys soon. Enjoy the rest of your day, and peace.